Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. All right, boys and girls, you heard the man. This is Tyler Chef. I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast, and let's do this, shall we? Today, I want to talk about getting your offers accepted, how to get to yes. I know many of you are thinking, well, I'm just going to call my trusty realtor, have them draft an offer and email it over blindly to the seller, and I'm going to do this, the stay and pray method where you basically sign the offer, you do a letter of intent or something like that, something non-committal. you sit back in the corner, you cross your fingers, you hope to God that you don't upset the the seller and that somehow they bump their head in the process of reviewing the offer, they fall unconscious, and when they fall unconscious, their signature just happens to ink itself across the contract and yippee-skippy, off you go to the closing table. In reality, folks, never going to happen. So what happened? How do we get to yes? How do we get the seller to get on board? Well, first of all, the very first thing that you can do to guaranteed blow a deal is to be so panicked that you can't even think straight. So I'm going to give you a little tip, and I've said this in the past, but I want to say it again. Understand that the seller is more nervous than you are. You heard me. The seller is more nervous than you are. So that said, you automatically have the upper hand. After all, the only thing you have to risk is a big fat no. I promise you they're not going to beat you about the head and shoulders with the offer. Chances are because it's virtual anyway. Because if you're using a real estate agent, they're probably going to email that offer over, not even letting the other side know the offer's coming. And they're also sitting there twiddling their thumbs and crossing their fingers, hoping that somebody's going to accept the offer. Because... Let's be honest, folks. That's generally how business is done these days. Long gone are the days where people actually have the intestinal fortitude to actually have a conversation with another human being to where a meeting of the minds like two grownups can happen. Instead, just like a Facebook news feed, we send offers over and then we hide behind our computer so that the, the big bad seller can't come get us. And I'm here to tell you guys, there's a better way. There's a much better way. First of all, only make offers when you have been able to accurately determine the problem and the motivation to sell. Once again, do not make offers if you cannot determine the problem and the motivation to sell. Do I have to say it again? This means when you see something pop up on Zillow with one day on the market and you're not able to discuss anything with the seller and the agent won't tell you anything as they probably shouldn't, then that's not a property you probably want to make an offer on at this stage of the game. And I know there's exceptions to every rule. I know some of you have these mass offer generators that send out an offer to everything that hits the MLS and you drive every listing agent and every seller crazy. But what you do is you waste a lot of your time, a lot of your money, and a lot of other people's time. So what if, heaven forbid, there was a better way? What if you didn't have to waste people's time and maybe you don't have to make it that the thousand offers to get one accepted? Gee, I don't know. What if almost every offer you put into paper, got accepted. What if every offer you wrote got accepted? No, Tyler, that's not possible. There's no way that every offer you write could be accepted. Well, I beg to differ. Now, I've tried several different ways to get offers accepted over the years. And I'll say this, there is no perfect method because the old adage, it depends, rings true here. With that said, you have to be able to gauge the situation. Now, you cannot gauge the situation sitting home in your living room behind a laptop. I can tell you that technology prohibits you from gauging the situation, but otherwise you can't tell what's going on the other side. You cannot read a seller's mind. You cannot read the listing agent's mind that I'm here to tell you if you're dealing with a property that's listed on the MLS and the listing agent's not on board with what you're offering, that offer is never going to see the light of day. Chances are it won't even be presented. 
They've recently actually changed code, the National Association of Realtors Code of Ethics. It used to be that the seller had to sign off that the offer was rejected. And basically meaning the listing agent has to prove that you presented the offer. That's no longer the case, which means the listing agents now actually have more, more power than they ever did before. They can get away with withholding offers, which is probably the dumbest thing the National Association of Realtors has ever done. In a society, in a time and period where all these technology tools are coming out of the woodwork with a pure intent to replace realtors from the equation, as is probably needed, these knuckleheads go past this change in the code of ethics that no longer requires a listing agent to prove that they've submitted an offer to a seller, which means if they don't like you, they don't like your hair, they don't like what you say, they don't like your offer, they don't understand your offer, it's too creative, not creative enough, too high, not high enough. Heck, they don't even like the they don't like the buyer's agent. They can just make the offer disappear and they are not compelled to prove they submitted the offer. Boys and girls, I'm here to tell you, at no time in history has it ever been more important for you to be direct to the decision maker. What they did is they drove that last nail in their coffin, you see, because if you can't talk to the decision maker, in most cases, boys and girls, you're wasting your time. You must always, always, always be working with a decision maker. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not suggesting by any means that you go around the realtor. In fact, I strongly urge you to respect the arrangement that's in place because the seller hired a realtor because they wanted a realtor. Okay. Understand that the seller probably is terrible at marketing, which means the seller left to their own devices would do a horrible job of bringing qualified buyers to the table. That being the case, respect that. And it's really none of your business what the seller decides to do because the seller can do whatever they want. You know why? Because it's their house. So if a realtor is involved, fine, just deal with it. Suck it up. What I'm suggesting is you just avoid those properties altogether. That's my personal suggestion, unless you're very good at building rapport with listing agents or realtors to be able to go with the listing agent to talk to the seller. Now, back in the day, when I first started in this business 20 years ago, this is how deals were done. Everybody sat down at a table. We had a good conversation. We had donuts and coffee, and we just worked it out. And there was no arm wrestling, and nobody was called a racist or a snowflake or any of that stuff. Democrat and Republican didn't really matter back then. There was no Facebook news feed, none of this garbage, and people just did good business. That's the way things were done, folks. That's a fact. Well, obviously, we live in different times, and we sometimes we have to change to the times. But I tell you, the one thing that will never change is that you will always have a higher success rate in getting your offers accepted when you are face-to-face with the seller, or at least on the phone with the seller. And again, you can accomplish this without cutting the agent out. You don't have to cut the agent out. And if the agent's doing their job, they deserve to be paid. Don't ever try to cut an agent out of their pay. You wouldn't like to have your pay cut out, so you don't try to cut them out. I hear these knuckleheads in my market. We've got a few ding-dongs that run around talking about they hate realtors and they hate, 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 hate. Folks, there's no reason to hate. Come on. You know, they're just people that are trying to make a living just like everything else, right? Everybody has a place in society. That's my belief anyway. And I don't believe it's a worthwhile adventure to try to even think about spending the energy hating anyone. Instead, learn to get along with them. Learn to work through the issues instead of trying to dodge the problems, right? Instead of just mouthing off about, wow, the damn real estate agents. Who cares about the agents? If the seller chose to get with an agent, guess what? That means one of two things. That means you're too slow, which is code for your marketing sucks because you missed the opportunity and the realtor got to it before you. What I say to that is, ha ha. So, you know, shame on you. Don't blame the realtor because, you know, you're lazy and didn't do any marketing. That's your fault, not the realtor's fault. So I will get off that soapbox. Let's get back to 
working with the decision maker. Now, intermediaries, and that this applies to both realtors and wholesalers. This applies to sons and daughters and attorneys and everybody else that gets in the way of the communication between a buyer and a seller. I'm not saying those people don't deserve a place at the table. Sure, they could sit there. If my mother was selling a property, I would want to be there with her, making sure that everything is the way it's supposed to be, right? That's just being a good son. Doesn't mean you need to exclude these people from the from the transaction. It just means that I would like to have you in the room or on the call with the seller and really directing the conversation to the person that actually makes the decision. I don't care if the influencers are there. I've done negotiations where I've had like seven family members on a lady, little old lady's house seven family members. We met at an attorney's office and negotiated a great deal and everybody parted as friends. I actually wound up being referee yeah, more than I was a negotiator because you had siblings that couldn't get couldn't get along and couldn't agree. One person wanted to get rich overnight. The other person wanted to dump it. That was interesting. That's a story for a whole other episode. But bottom line is, folks, when you sit down with people, good human people and break bread and have a cup of coffee and look each other in the eye and shake hands, you can do amazing things. You can get great deals done. Yes, getting a deal done with no money down is absolutely possible. Possible, but it's never going to happen going through a realtor or a wholesaler. It's never going to happen blindly emailing the seller an offer saying, give me your house with no money down. They're going to laugh at you. You're wasting your time to so keep this keep this in mind. Now, yes, the intermediaries are probably going to force themselves into the equation. And if they're licensed agents or attorneys, they absolutely should be there because it's the seller's decision who gets to surround them, right? My point is this. If you are direct with the seller, even with a crowd watching, first of all, you should have nothing to hide. So it really shouldn't bother you. But, um, if you're direct with the seller, you're having that conversation with the seller, even though people want to give their input, fine, but your message is not going to get convoluted. You see, it's not going to get uh, diluted through several people. Tomorrow, go to work and tell the person sitting next to you at the cubicle next to you a story and then have them tell that to another person and have that story go around 10 times. I guarantee you that story will be completely flip-flop by the time it gets back to you. Guaranteed. We all know this. It's human nature. It doesn't mean anybody's lying or manufacturing anything. It's that people forget the facts and they fill them in. Have you watched the news lately in the last, I don't know, five, 10 years? Fake news? You got all kinds of stuff going on. Everybody, both sides, Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter. Everybody's putting out incorrect, inaccurate data, right? That's what happens. Now, I think a lot of that's intentional. That's a whole other story. But the bottom line is, folks, people change the facts for a myriad of reasons. It doesn't matter why they do it. It just matters that, that they do it, that we recognize it, and we work through that issue. We work around that, right? But the way to do this is to be direct with the decision maker. If you don't have to jump through 50 different people, you're a lot better off. So to buy creatively, you got to understand to buy creatively, avoid any property that's listed by a realtor or a wholesaler because they don't want to hear it. Wholesaler wants his five grand non-refundable earnest money deposit at the end. They don't care about anything creative. In my market, there's about three wholesalers that have a clue. The rest of them are completely useless. And all they understand is I need a cash buyer and 5,000 non-refundable earnest money deposit. That's all they get. They don't understand anything else besides that. There's a couple others. But like I said, there's a handful in my market that get creative acquisition. They structure deals based on what they know buyers want. And that's why they get deals done. You never see their deals advertised because they put them out to their, their group of buyers that they know because they've crafted these offers. Here's a clue for you folks that are wholesalers because they've crafted their offers with the sellers to that which they know their buyers will jump on. People know, people that have asked me, there's been one or two wholesalers that have actually asked me what my, what how I like to do my deals. How do I want them structured in a general sense? And I've shared that information with them. And one of them, lo and behold, actually brought me a deal and I bought it. It was a little fourth box over in Tampa. Turned out to be a great deal because the wholesaler asked the questions. And when he went and found the opportunity, it was a no-brainer. I didn't have to think about it. We just did the deal. One of the conditions is, is that I got to talk to the seller. Wholesaler didn't care. He knows I'm not going to backdoor him. Why would I backdoor him? Because they don't cut me off. So instead, we sat down, had a great conversation over the phone with the seller. We closed the deal, made it happen. Everybody got made money. Everybody's happy. Win-win 
across the board. Okay. Understand, ladies and gentlemen, that residential realtors understand retail, retail. They don't understand anything else besides retail. There's a small number, probably 1% that understand anything else besides look at the pretty curtains in the view. The rest of them just simply have never got the opportunity for the training. They're not invested in real estate themselves. They're not investors. They don't have any idea how to make money with real estate. All they know is how to fill out the forms. And in some cases, that's not even the case. And they're taught what not to do, the ethic part of it. But they don't know really anything else about real estate. They're not trained salespeople. They're not marketers in most cases. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Now, there is a small minority of agents that are just top flight. I'm fortunate in our market, we've got some really good, solid agents in our market that get it. But let's be honest, anybody can get a real estate license. It actually takes more time and dedication to get a cosmetology license to learn how to do hair than it does to be a, a real estate broker in the state of Florida. That's the reality. That's not a shot at the realtors. That's just a shot at the system. Okay. So understand who you're dealing with. Now, if you're dealing with a commercial property, commercial realtors, they're a whole different game. Commercial realtors, in a lot of cases, go to a lot more training that's very tied to the marketing, very tied to negotiations, advanced finance strategies, things like this. There are agents that go through, commercial agents that go through extensive training. CCIM is one of them. CCIM is a commercial real estate designation. It's a very lengthy, very tedious process. It's no joke. There's a lot to learn in the commercial space. Actually, there's a lot to learn in the retail space. But in the commercial space, it's been my experience, this is my personal experience, that the commercial realtors are far more professional. And I'm happy to work with a commercial broker nine times out of 10. There's always that rare exception, but I got to tell you, a commercial broker is a night and day difference or a residential realtor. And primarily they're held to a higher standard because it's hard. They got to really dance for their dinner. They got to be good at marketing. You see, because CEOs deal with commercial realtors, not Tom, Dick and Harry CEOs. So CEOs are interviewing them for a job. They have to be able to prove their worth in marketing. They have to go sometimes six months to a year or longer between commissions. But when they get a commission, it's generally a pretty big one. So in that case, they have to front a lot of money. They have to be somewhat financially responsible, I would imagine. These are all the different things that they have to be able to do in order to thrive as a commercial broker. So your fly-by-night people that decided they were one minute they're working in a cubicle and they're going to quit their job and become a realtor and make a million. That's not the type of people that you usually see in the commercial space. So those of you that are doing multifamily, knock yourself out working with the brokers because you get a lot of good brokers. Now there's some bad ones, of course, but you get a lot of good brokers on the commercial side of things. Never allow an offer to be blindly sent to a seller. Don't allow that. And this drives me crazy when people say, oh, I've sent, I've submitted 15 offers and none of them been accepted. Well, wait a minute. Why did you write an offer that you weren't sure would be accepted? And they look at me like I got three heads. Here's how it usually works. Okay. When you're dealing with a realtor, in a lot of cases, you're dealing with a wholesaler. Nobody sits and negotiates anything anymore. Nobody knows why they're selling or they won't say. Nobody really knows what they're doing. They just simply come up with a number. Or my favorite one from the wholesalers is, what's your best number? What's your bottom dollar? Now, why would I say that? When I found this recently. I had a generator up on, on uh, Facebook, Facebook Marketplace. And I must have had a hundred people say, what's your best, what's your bottom dollar? Dude, I put a price up there. That's what I want. If I wanted less, I would ask less. Now, I understand all oh, well, people always negotiate. Yeah, but that's not negotiating. You see, that's kind of cowardly, actually. So don't be that guy or girl that says, what's your bottom dollar? Hey, man, I'm the seller. So you better make an offer and then prove it or at least gauge my motivation and see if you can talk me down with something else besides what's your bottom dollar. So what happens here, there's a phenomenon, especially in the retail space, where realtors, they hit you tell them you want to pay 100000 for a property. They write up an offer, they email it to the other agent, and they go on about their business. That's it. They don't even know if the property is available. Or they won't write an offer until they call the agent and beat the agent up to see if the property is still available or not. Or if they're or is the seller negotiating any other offers? What does that matter? Well, we're not going to make an offer if, no, if anybody else is negotiating. Well, guess what? 
your buyer is not going to buy a house. So don't be a knucklehead and get your hat in the ring. How do you do that? Hey, when would be a good time for you and I and the seller to go sit down, have a cup of coffee, see what we can work out? See, this is why my agents put deals together because they've got the stones, the gut to have a conversation with a listing agent and make friends and, and do deals. Have an actual meeting of the mind like grownups having to Betsy. It happens. I've actually had offers recently. I got a listing right now. One offer wound up in a spam folder. It came over on a Friday night at like midnight. The agent never called me. I had no idea the offer was sent. It wasn't until the following Wednesday, the agent called me and said, I sent an offer over and I didn't get any response. I'm like, you sent an offer over? You did? Huh? Well, I never received it. And heavens to Betsy, it was in my spam folder. Well, had the agent said, hey, this is Jimmy and I'm writing an offer on 123 Anywhere Street. Why is the seller selling? How can we put this deal together? When would be a good time to sit down and have a conversation with you and the seller? See, that's how you put a deal together. That would be intriguing. I would respect the other agent's efforts. We would hear out the buyer and entertain their offer. And in some cases, as listing agent guys, let's let's understand one thing. I have a compelling reason to sell a property. I want to get paid. That's, That's just reality. So if I'm the listing agent, I want to get the deal done so I can move on to the next one. I'm not in love with any house that I or property that I sell. I want them all to sell as soon as possible with the least amount of effort possible. So if you have a compelling reason to suggest a different price, let's you and I get on the phone with the seller and have that conversation. Heck, bring your buyer along. We'll make it a party because at the end of the day, I want to get the deal done, but that's my mindset. So agents, if you're listening to this, grow a pair, get on the, get on the phone and have a conversation. Now I understand listing agents listening to this would be like, there's no way any agent is ever going to talk to my seller because they're my seller. Um, no, they're not your seller. They're Tom, Dick, and Susan, or Mary, or whoever. So you should be have the courage, yes, I said courage, to get on the phone with another human being and have a good conversation. And if you're concerned about the other party making you look bad, that's not the other party's fault. That's your own deep insecurities. Fix that problem. So this is a clue, folks. If you're dealing with an agent that acts in this way, that should be a clue that you might not want to work with them. If you're dealing with a buyer's agent that will not present offers in person, because they're scared or for whatever excuse they come up with, which usually equates back to they're scared, fire them and hire a new agent, one that has a pair, one that is has the, the intestinal fortitude to be able to go out there and present offers. Now, I have found, ironically, that women make far better agents than men. Sorry, guys. But at the end of the day, I find that men are far more insecure when it comes to this than women. Men, for whatever reason want to hide behind their computers. Women, on the other hand, God love them, they get out there and do the work. They're not afraid to go have a conversation. I know this is probably going to rip roar a whole lot of people, but I don't really care. So I prefer working with female agents, frankly, because they're better at it. They're better at it. That's just it. You see, because they're nurturing and they want to help people. They have a genuine need to help people and they carry themselves well in most cases. And they just do a better job. See, I don't have a lot of these issues with the female agents that present offers on my properties. But the men, they're hiding in the bushes. So ladies, well done. Two thumbs up. Speaking of which, I am hiring buyer's agents in the Tampa Bay market. So if you're listening to this episode and you happen to be in the Tampa Bay area and you're a, a, an agent that really wants to make some money, wants some coaching, wants some guidance, and you want to learn how to crush it, then we need to have a conversation. Reach out to me, info at cashflowguys.com. Get on the calendar. See, there's my marketing plug for the week. Don't allow motion to overcome you folks. No is part of the process. No is absolutely part of the process. You should in, you should be searching for it. You should be looking for it. You need to reach out for it. Back in episode 125 of the podcast, I talked about the pendulum theory. I want you to go back and listen to that episode. If you can't find it, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash podcast, cashflowguys.com forward slash podcast. Type in episode or look for episode 125 in the list. That's where all the episodes are. 
you ever need to go back and look at look, listen to an old episode, they're always archived on my website. Go back, listen to that episode about the pendulum theory and how critical it is to get people on board by getting no out of the question, see, or out of the out of the equation. No is a very uncomfortable thing, and when you when you go to the no early on, the uncomfortableness melts away. Trust me when I tell you this works really, really well. If you absolutely decide that you must work with a realtor, compensate them well. Okay, that keeps them loyal. I've got agents that work with me that are buyer's agents, and they work very, very well with the buyers, but we qualify our buyers, which means if you are not can't prove that you're qualified to buy, it means showing us that you have money in the bank or you're going to close. I want to see a track record from you. I'm not going to work with every schmoo that shows up. But if you can prove to us that you're qualified to buy and you're serious, then we'll work with you. But you're going to have to compensate us, you see, because that keeps us loyal and focused. I'm not here. I don't get any awards for having the biggest buyers list, okay? And this is one thing that wholesalers miss a lot. Wholesalers, if you've got 10,000 people in your buyers list, you're doing it wrong. Maybe a dozen is a good buyers list. A dozen people that actually buy. Because there's a difference between a dozen people. There's a, there's a dozen people that actually buy. That's all you need. You don't need any more than that. If there's a dozen people that are tire kickers and are other wholesalers daisy-chaining your deals, then you need to trash them off your list and put people on there that are actually serious and will actually buy. Back. I, why I say compensate them fairly, loyalty is one thing, but you underst- got to understand when you put the needs of your team before your own needs, you are going to achieve in every scenario the level of service that you seek. I promise you that. My agents make money because I am laser focused on making sure that they make money. And if for some reason they're not making money, we identify what the issue is and we solve it. That's a fact. That's my job as a team leader to make that happen. Lastly, if you absolutely are stuck having to send an offer blind over to another party, well, first I would say don't do it. It's an absolute waste of time. But try using a letter, writing a letter. Okay, if you've got a couple of gatekeepers in the mix and nobody lets you talk to the seller and you just absolutely got to have this duplex or your world's going to crash, then write a letter to the seller to accompany the offer. Write a letter. This is your first deal. You're so excited. Can't wait to get this done. I don't have to write the letter for you, but write a letter explaining where you're at. Write a letter that's going to be so good, it's going to make them want to choose you over somebody else. You got to play on other folks' emotions. You got to get into that seller somehow. So if you can't have a conversation with them, if it's absolutely not an option, then break out the pen and paper. And I'm talking about a handwritten letter. Don't draft something on a computer like some engineer schmoo. Get out a pen and paper and write them a letter. And if they say no to your offer, frankly, I would write a thank you card and I would mail it to the seller. Thank you anyway for considering my offer. I really appreciate you taking the time on your busy day to, to entertain my offer. And you send them that car with your signature on it. And that's being a good person. That's called good business and good ethics. And if the listing agent has a cow about that, well, then just tough noogies. But it leaves everybody on a good in a good place, right? And if the other offer that was higher than yours or different than yours or whatever gets falls apart, guess who they're going to think about when it comes back? Folks, I'm going to leave it right there. I hope you've had a great week. Catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.